0: Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to The Feed to Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America.
1: Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer; all the threes going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause I'm put it back in your face. He's a cold-blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Calling the feed to Embiid.
0: What's going on, everybody? This is the feed to Embiid. I am your host, Austin Krell along with a guy who loves the new age Philly sports media, Brock Landis. Brock, how are you, my my good pal?
1: I'm chilling, Austin. Uh, The semester just ended, so I've got some time off, but I can't really be chilling because we've got a sixer season coming up in less than, what is it, it's 8.30 now, so we've got less than 24 hours until preseason. So we're not in chill mode all too much longer we got to churn out the content you know what that lifestyle is
0: like that's right yeah. what, is that? what is that though is, is that a fresh cut you you already know okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm, uh, I, I'm moving to florida uh on saturday so we'll be we'll be broadcasting live from florida for 3 months and then uh yeah. and then i'll be back here so you know i need to get a, I need to get a little bit of Top top off.
1: You're going through a midlife crisis. You got to figure yourself out a little bit down in Florida.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, you know me. Um, so we have a lot to talk about today. Um, obviously, the Harden rumors continue to fly as of this morning. Uh, the uh, Your own Weitzman uh, says that Houston wants three first-round picks plus Ben Simmons. We'll get into that later. Um, right now, let's top it off with – the first preseason game of the season that begins tomorrow opens up. Uh, I think, what is it? 7 30 PM mm-hmm. um, tomorrow uh, against the Celtics. And it will be in Philly. I believe Daniel Tice is out. He did not want to get basically beat up on by Embiid. He, he, he was enjoying his nice time off to like coming back to an abrupt awakening like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then, Kemba Walker is going to be out for a while. But um enough about enough about that. Let's let, let's just sort of discuss our expectations for that first game. And before we do that, um I wanted to welcome everybody to the show. We do have seven people uh listening live right now, watching live, I keep commenting in the um in the comment section. We always love engaging with you guys and we'll be answering your questions. You know, responding to your comments and 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 this, that, and the other um, throughout the throughout this episode. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube um, at the painted Line. Subscribe to sub, subscribe to Brock, uh, his YouTube channel. What is it, Landis Brock or Brock Landis?
1: Brock Landis. Landis, Brock Landis.
0: Brock. Mm-hmm. And then make sure to make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, uh, wherever you get your you get your podcasts. We will be. Uh, posting them there as always. Make sure to give us a, a rating and a review, um, and we're always appreciative. Also, one last thing: another reminder. We now have a have a a podcast brand store. The link is in our Twitter bio at the feed to Embiid. Um, you can go there buy your custom feed to the feed to Embiid products. Uh, we, we 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 appreciate any any source of revenue we can get, of course. Um, now no more advertising. We're going to go to basketball now. Imagine that. Um, So preseason game one is tomorrow. And it sounds like doc's lineup is going to be Joel Tobias, Ben, uh, Seth and Danny green, not necessarily, you know, by like, by like a positional, like like I wasn't naming those by positions. Like Ben isn't playing small forward. I don't think, Mm -hmm. I I don't think Danny green's playing point guard either. Um, but those are the really the five that he goes with. And I think for me, the big the the big thing that I want to see um, early early on in this in this affair is just w- w- what does it look like? Is there some natural chemistry there? I think there should be some natural chemistry there because Ben and Joel at their best. Had two great, had two really good shooters next to them, and in Marco and in Covington and in Reddick and Dario, they're pretty much surrounded by good shooters all the time um, when they were at their best. And you know, I, I think you have veterans in that lineup that understand just naturally how to play basketball off of other people. And I think it's conducive with, with 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 Ben Simmons there as a facilitator to them just having success playing a natural, intuitive brand of basketball, um, at least while they're trying to figure out the offense. So I'm interested to see, like, what the turnovers look like if, if, if things are clunky in the early goings. Um, I do think that having a new coach and a new system is going to make things a little harder for, for, for Joe and for Ben early on. Um, but I am curious as to what you think about um, – just like what what you're looking out for early on tomorrow.
1: Sure. For Philadelphia, I think defensively they're not going to have any problems, especially against a shorthanded Boston team. But Doc Rivers said in his press conference recently that offensively the team isn't where he thinks they're going to be. But for the time being, he's where he wants them to be. So in other words, offensively, there's things he's going to implement in a half court, maybe a pick and roll set or DHOs, things of that sort, pin pin downs, double screens. But at the moment, there's just too much to implement. there's too many new faces, there's too much new personnel. And on top of that, you may have technical issues, you may have issues at practice. Uh, things might be delayed in, in terms of starting time. All of these curveballs are thrown into teams, so I don't expect them to click right away offensively. But I do think they should win this game pretty easily. Um, we'll talk more about the outcome, but in looking at Boston, they also had a shortened time frame to prepare a little less time than Philadelphia because of that first round exit. Uh, But this year they're playing without Kemba Walker for some time, and and that'll be a significant loss for them. And Gordon Hayward is a Hornet now, and they both rank second and fourth respectively in touches for Boston. Tristan Thompson, he he slightly tweaked his hamstring, so he'll be sidelined for at least until the season opener. You have new primary ball handlers in Jeff Teague, Peyton Pritchard, Carson Edwards might get some burn there. Uh, so Boston, too, has to really overcome these curveballs that was thrown at them. Injuries, new faces, inexperience. I mean, Aaron Neesmith, a rookie they drafted, hasn't played since January. Um, so all things considered, it may be a sloppy brand of basketball, but given everything Philadelphia has already, you know, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, a veteran and Danny Green, I think they should be able to handle Boston pretty easily in this preseason opener.
0: Yeah, you know, truth be told, I am not too concerned about wins or losses um, mm-hmm. in in, uh, in a preseason game. I mean, I'm just not. Yeah. I think, I, I, first of all, I mean, last couple of years, the Sixers have been very good in the preseason, and it hasn't really.
1: Yeah, they put they put that Chinese team on, on straps, and yeah. back his first three in that game from the corner. It, I, no, no, that no, that no, actually. I was there with uh, uh, it was, it was It was above the break.
0: Remember that? It was above
1: yeah. the break. Oh, it was, it was above the break. I was sitting courtside yeah. court side with, with uh, the queen of the Mike Scott Hive. Zoe was there, I think. I wow. forget who some of the faces were, but I was at Twitter, and I
0: got a DM.
1: And they were like, you want to you come to the game? I was like, sure, I'll come. So that was a fun experience.
0: Wow. Okay. And now I'm sure you don't – I'm sure you, you're still in contact with all of them, right?
1: Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I've um, seen them in passing.
0: Yeah. So um, – I'm not looking at wins or losses really Mm. at all. I'm looking to just to see like who pops out and what that fit looks like. Um, And I I do expect there to be a certain level of, I guess, high frequency turnover um, in both the half court setting and the full court setting, just because new coaching staff, new uh, system, a lot of different voices trying to sort of assimilate together into one, you know, one unit. Um, and I think you're gonna, they're gonna just try to be pushing the pace a lot more like they've said, they're trying to play, play fast pace. When you do that, you're more conducive, you're, you're more likely to make mistakes. and that happens turnovers. So I'm, I'm kind of you know interested to see what those turnovers like. But I'm also interested to see like what is a Ben and Joel structured offense look like? Like what does it look like when, have, when there actually are plays there? Or there's a system there that is that has principles to it rather than just filling out the game organically. Um, Christopher Moody says, "When does the pre- the preseason game start tonight or tomorrow? Uh, well, it's eight forty-five tonight, and there's no game on, so not tonight. Um, it's tomorrow, seven thirty p.m. is tip-off. So usually that means just for those who kind of don't notice this, but when they say seven thirty tip-off, it usually means seven thirty-eight, and it's a seven p.m. tip-off." Usually seven oh eight, so don't don't rush if you're not there by seven twenty nine. Take your time, get home safely, and uh, you know the, it'll, the game will be there by seven thirty eight for you. Um, Kevin Cronin says, "What up? Go Sixers, Eagles, Flyers, and Phillies." Yes, go though. Let's go three of those four teams. The Phillies are still in jail because they're imbeciles. Um, but yes, let's let's let's, let's root on. Uh, those home teams for the fans—that's for sure, um, Brock. So I, I, I keep thinking this: like, is is this starting lineup something where it's like as cut and dry, um, or as oh, you
1: get a new haircut, that your phone starts blowing up now? The the Florida the Florida, come on, man! They're they're all over you. You're yeah. on it.
0: Yeah, something like oh, yeah. that something like that um, so when when you think of this team I think it's like an obvious what this what what, what a starting lineup looks like it's Danny it's you know it's it's Danny it's Seth's Ben Tobias Joel sure um, I thought for a while that they were gonna go shake because they've been endorsing the hell out of them in practice um, and I, I, had, I had heard some things off record Um but you know it's it's it sounds like doc's going in a different direction which i guess is to be expected um some degree now there was like one change you would make to the starting lineup where it like it, like it's sort of just sort of outside of the box and it makes sense what do you think it is
1: well practically i think it would be shake milton playing point guard and giving him more responsibilities but Um, Something different that I think you could experiment with in the preseason uh, definitely against a team that doesn't really have a center outside of Robert Williams uh, would be maybe playing Ben Simmons at the five. Um, You might not feature him in the starting lineup at the five, uh, but you could definitely anchor him at the center position in a lineup with five guys in it. And for Boston, they said this isn't really a starting five they're rolling out. This is an experimental phase. And I'd assume the same for Philadelphia. There's a lot for these guys to see, and you should always take preseason with a grain of salt. But I think for Philadelphia, you could really put Ben at the five and still maintain your defensive wing presence and still have a good interior defense because Ben, he's 6'10". And like I said, Boston will be without a center. Uh, Robert Williams, sure, maybe Grant Williams could even slide down and play the five, but uh, there's no more Annis Canner. There's no Tristan Thompson there. So maybe Ben could play the five. You could throw Terrence Ferguson on a wing. Danny Green can defend on the wing. Shake Millen, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He could defend a point guard. And mind you, Boston doesn't really have a serviceable point guard for this game outside of Jeff Teague and Marcus Smart. So if Teague is the starting point guard for, for a lineup they feature, I can definitely think Philadelphia can uh, keep their perimeter defense intact while moving Ben Simmons to the five and seeing what that will look like. They only did it one or two times last year, I think namely against the Brooklyn Nets, and Ben did a pretty good job. In that role, so maybe if you give him a different role, play him at the center position, see what it's like defensively, and maybe the, how the offense will run. Uh, that's something I I would explore in, in the preseason where nothing matters.
0: Okay, I'll tell you what I what I would do. Um, I would say Tyrese Maxey, and where I, I know a, <laughs> point guard point guard. I think I think mm-hmm. I play a point guard. Um, okay. Just because I think, I think, like, I, I trust Seth Curry as a ball handler. I do. Um, I don't think it's his natural skill necessarily, I th- but, but I think it's something that he's developed. Um, and obviously, Danny Green should never be dribbling a basketball. Um, I, I think there's an interesting and, and, a, and a feasible line of thought that says, like, Let's see what our first overall pick, or not, not our first overall pick, our our our, our first round pick, um, can do with the ball in his hands. Let's see what that offense looks like with, with 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 a shooting threat facilitating the mix, and let's see what that looks like. You know, like like what, what Ben looks like off ball in this offense, um, and I, I do believe that. Um, he can make things a little bit more interesting and more, I guess, um unpredictable for the offense, a little bit more spicy. Mm-hmm. Um and I I think ultimately, whether it's this year, it's a year from now, two years from now, my guess is he's probably gonna be a starter anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just think he's a, he's built he's he he he's built different <laughs> as the as the kids say. Um, Why do
1: you say that like you're not 24? What do you mean <laughs> as the kids say? You're like come on. You're a kid too. You're 24.
0: I am not I am I am 24 going on like 74, I would say. Okay. You're an um, old soul. Yeah, I'm an old that that's right. I'm an old soul. Okay. So, I I'd be curious just to, to, to see like what that looks like. Um and I'm not saying that's something that I would like endorse long-term, like make, like force it to happen this season. Like this, this isn't the Markel full situation of two years ago sure. where he's, where he's clearly not worthy of starting, but he's starting. Um But I just think that you, you, you um, a guy that can change speed and be a menace in a half court and a pick and roll and sort of fillet defenses and, and sort of be knifing through things is kind of an interesting concept with this team and something that they really they, they've never really had a, 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 a guard like that um you could I could speed around the ball like a like a dinwiddie type um i'm not saying you'd use him it with was like with like dinwiddie's level of usage but he's somebody that you put in a pick and roll and it's kind of like you're not sure where he's where he's gonna go
1: Well, the thing I said about Maxi, aside from how good he is in transition, is that his body control is phenomenal. Like in the pick and roll, and the half court, he has really good body control. He's got a low center of gravity. He attacks with purpose. But the thing that really made him stand out in these pick and roll scenarios was his vision, his court vision in the half court, and how he could find his big. And this is in college. So he's unselfish in the pick and roll, and he led a lot of his centers to the spot to catch lobs or put them in a position where they can get a clean look at the basket. With a compliment like Dwight Howard, a compliment like Tony Bradley, or even if he is in the starting lineup like Joel Embiid, I think Maxi's gonna thrive. Um, I've said this for three straight podcasts, but SGA, Gilgis you know, Alexander, and Landry Shamet, when he was traded to the uh, Clippers in his rookie season, both played over 20 minutes a game under Doc Rivers. If the talent is there for both him or Isaiah Joe, Tyrese Maxi and Isaiah Joe will have minutes. Doc Rivers will produce minutes. I think Maxie is most definitely a steal for where Philadelphia got him. And I I really think it's going to be interesting to see, is he a primary ball handler in the half court? Is he a complement off-ball ball ball handler to Ben Simmons? Uh, Is he going to improve his three-point jump shot? There's a lot to be seen. But when I watch Maxie on tape, I love him. His first step is the one thing above all that I notice on tape. It's just incredible. He just blows by opponents, and this first step, it's so hard to guard. Now, this was at the college level, so you want to see how that translates to the second level, the NBA professional level. But at the same time, if he could utilize that quick first step, he's going to be such a huge addition for Philadelphia, and a half-court and in transition too.
0: Yeah, for sure. Joey D says, Brock, I'm digging the hat Sir, Thank
1: you. Is that, our, is that our boy, Joey?
0: I think it is okay well, good. Joey, I mean, I you, never, you never really know what joey looks like 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 modern joey looks like until you see him on a live pod like you because like he has he has the baby the, the, in, the infant uh avatar <coughs> and then he has um you know like this going on you just never he's kind of an enigma in a sense he's a low um, profile i like that that's, yeah. how, that's how we should keep it whereas me he, i mean you recognize my mug immediately I, you know, I, I, I don't know, I, man, that, that
1: Twitter profile picture was sus for a while until you changed it. You, you can't be saying that's what the kids say and have a Twitter profile picture that you took when you were 18, uh, a LinkedIn headshot at
0: Villanova. I took that when I was like, I think 20. Oh,
1: two yeah. years. Yeah, so you were still at Nova.
0: Yeah, no, I, was, I was a sophomore. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, you were more
1: productive than I was as a sophomore, I'll say that.
0: No, I wasn't, trust me. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Cronin says, "What do you think the Phillies will do this winter to free agents? They will sign or trades they will make." It's the
1: wrong uh, podcast, big dog. Oh uh, man, uh, it's the wrong podcast. I'm repping my city.
0: How many hours you got? Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I, I'm kind of more confident that um, that they're going to re-sign Real Muto, uh, just of because like. Uh, just because like the, the the Mets opted to to go for a much cheaper option, and it isn't like they overset the market, they underset it. So now it's like Real Muto probably Real Muto probably gets like what uh, twenty mil per year, which I mean mm-hmm. it's still a lot of money, but I mean I, I don't see how Middleton doesn't go out and sign him. I mean.
1: Well, you bring in Dave Dombrowski and everybody's complaining that he's a win now guy and the moves he's going to make are, are all win now moves and he's going to deplete the farm system. But my counterpoint is that you haven't had a farm system in eight years, 10 years. So there, there's nothing to deplete the there. You you go for win now moves. That's what the goal of the organization is. If you sign Bryce Harper, a perennial all-star to a 13-year, $330 million contract, uh, you you've got your anchor right there. You've got your stadium filler your main attraction right there. Uh, so the next moves w- would be to get the surrounding pieces, and it starts with the best catcher offensively and defensively in baseball. Uh, Bryce Harper made a great point for him. Uh, his pitchers love throwing to a catcher, and that's why I always love Yadier Molina. The best thing about Yadier Molina, in my opinion, was that he's phenomenal at commanding a pitching staff. When you've got a catcher that pitchers like to throw to and they're comfortable with. It- it's a huge win defensively too. So the Phillies got to re-sign Real Muto, no doubt.
0: And um... – I just think it's going to burn a lot of goodwill that they might have around the around the, around Major League Baseball if if they communicate like we don't listen to our star players.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it, it would be horrible if first Philadelphia traded assets for JT and then wasn't able to retain them. But secondly, if you were to sign with a team like the New York Mets or the Atlanta Braves or I guess even hell the Marlins, uh, all in the NL East, it would just be embarrassing at that point. Uh, so I don't know what Middleton's got going on. Uh, with this frugal bullshit because he's a Philadelphia baseball owner. Wow. And in baseball, there's there's literally unlimited cap. You could go out and sign whoever you want for however much you want if you're a big market team. So if you're trying to win now and you're trying to put a product on the field that's going to deliver that, it starts with signing JT Real Muto. You, you, you can't lose him. It's that simple.
0: As the kids say, no cap.
1: <laughs> see, see <this? laughs> Oh boy. What's the next question, man? Get let's act like that didn't happen.
0: Come on. Um like the NBA guy says hearing good things about Maxi, hopefully he's good enough to contribute this year. He will. You usually don't have positive impact rookies, especially on good teams. Um I I think he is gonna be on a short rope because Doc traditionally doesn't trust rookies, but what I would say is, I I think there's just something. There's just this sort of aura about him um, that I I just think that he's going to be one of those guys you look back on and you say, yeah, he he he, he slid way too low. I, I don't know why we didn't take him at ten or fourteen.
1: I, I could I could definitely agree with that. And, Austin, we could name more players from Kentucky in the past eight years on our hands combined that are instant contributors and, and all-stars and impactful players in the NBA. So uh, first off, I like that Philadelphia went and got a kid from Kentucky. Uh, second off, he's training with Chris Johnson Hoops and, and CJ uh, is one of the most renowned shot trainers and basketball trainers in the entire NBA. Uh, everybody goes to CJ when, when they wanna learn how to get buckets and perfect their form. So he's in the lab with, with not only CJ, but guys like Rajon Rondo and et cetera. So I think he's going to be an immediate contributor. He might not be an immediate starter, and he most definitely might not be an all-rookie team player right away, but he's definitely going to be an immediate contributor. Um, I think he's going to be great in the second unit and potentially in that first unit if he shows enough promise there.
0: For sure. Um, I mean, look,
1: the last Kentucky guard uh, is, is now apparently an MVP. Teams won't even trade Ty Hero for James Harden. That would be <laughs> Guard that, guard oh guard
0: my guard. god! That, listen, <laughs> that, listen, that 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 shit is something else. I mean, like like, like 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 what are we doing here? That all of a sudden, um, like Tyler friggin' Hero is untradeable. Like like, <laughs> like 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 who do you think this kid is? He he had like he averaged sixteen points per game in the playoffs. Okay. Um I mean you know he was very clearly like the second or third scoring option on the team I mean it, uh, he he's not untradeable for a guy like James Harden um it it, it it I was I was like blown away um by that so um but yeah I mean the, the Harden stuff is 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 really really interesting because everyone's saying like houston doesn't have any leverage which i tend to lean towards agreeing with but i don't think it's like oh he requested out that's it no leverage i gotta trade him right now for like a mediocre to bullshit package i i I don't agree with that at all i mean you have the best player he's not just the best player in the trade he's a Arguably, well, no, he he he's a lock, guarantee as a top ten player in the NBA. So I mean, you're not going to sell him for Tobias Harris, um, Tyrese Maxi, and a poo-poo platter. You're you're like, like you're not going to do that. Um, it's 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 adorable when fans think that it just it's you're not going to get them and take on horrible money when they just traded for John Wall and then give up. A top five player. It's, it, I mean, if, if they do, and I'm not going to make any promises because I know that what's well, soon since, since I do that, it'll probably come true and then I'll have to do it. But I, I would be confounded and blown away if they, um, if they, if, if, if Houston accepted a trade of like Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, and wh- whoever else you wanted to throw in there. Um, but I do agree. I think the trade is far off. Maury's move so far seen committed to a current nucleus would have to upset quite a few pieces to crowbar harden in. And I'll tell you this. I, I don't think they're going to wait like a month before they say like, OK, it's it's not working. I pull a plug like no, they, they they've spoken about. Um, they've They've spoken about like, hey, let's give this time. Let's see what this looks like. Let's collect a lot of data and make it an, and make a decision. We we'll make an informed decision. That's not going to be a month's worth of, of, of data for them to make a decision on. And that's a pretty significant. That isn't that isn't like who do you trade for to get the eighth guy on the bench? That's okay. Do we trade a top twenty player with five years of control left for a guy who is thirty one, clearly high maintenance, and um, has and, and you know, there's two years of control left. It doesn't matter if one's a top five player or a top twenty player. That's that's in a vacuum. Sure, it's not as simple as that. I don't think because here's what happens. And 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 I, I kind of came to this this conclusion on on Friday night. I remember I was thinking about this a lot. Obviously, we we both agree that trading for James Harden probably raises the year ceiling and increases their chances of winning a title. Right? Yeah. Is Philadelphia a market that is particularly patient?
1: <laughs> Hell no, absolutely not.
0: So the Eagles won a Super Bowl two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And they won a Super Bowl two years ago. We are three years ago. We are now. It, it, it hasn't even been five years. It's been three years. It, literally, there are key pieces from that team that are still on the roster and are on our signed to the roster for you know years to come. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that fresh and the city is already up in arms about it about about the team so they're not patient they're going to forget about any championship you win in in the next year and let's be let's be frank here like like everyone says like oh like like the ring is the ring makes everything better the championship lasts like for a night where you're like, you're like over the moon ecstatic. You brag about it for like the rest of the off season. And that really is just like, it's just like a clout piece that you wear on your neck because it's like, well, you know, this team won a championship and the fans on Twitter or whatever, or you get, you get, get to brag about it and no one can say shit to them. It goes away really fast because time moves quickly. It's time to regroup and, and get, get ready for the next season. And complacency is the, is the enemy of, of, of winning. So you're you're never really satisfied with one championship. So even if they win, either they win, and Harden state walks. Let's say he walks right. Mm-hmm. You've now mortgaged the your 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 youngest, highest ceiling piece for James Harden, who is now gone, and. You're giving up what? How many first-round picks? Three, according to your own to your own Whitman. Uh, listen, listen. James Harden's a, is, is a phenomenal player, but I, I don't really care like what Sixers Adam says in his like you know tone that he says it in. Um, I, I don't really care what, what what Spike Eskin says or how, how often he wants to subtweet um, Ben Simmons about like jump shooting and whatnot. It's it's not an easy decision. It's not as cut and dry as. James Harden is better right now, and therefore, trade, you got trader James Harden. I think there. I, I think it's a decision where you ultimately say, in this regime, with Joel Embiid as your best player, with 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 operating in the belief that you have a three year window. Yeah, maybe it's a maybe it's a it's it's a trade you got to make. It's a hard pill to swallow, but maybe it's a, maybe it's a trade you got to make. But I'm damn sure not giving up three first round picks for him. I mean, you 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 can't do that, um, because because if, if Harden leaves you out to dry, you now have a thirty what uh, have a a, a 29, 30 year old center, who, the narrative is he's injury prone, and then you have Tyrese Maxey. and then what are you what are your other assets besides that? You don't really have any other assets besides that. Tobias Harris is a negative asset, um, yeah, I, I mean uh Matisse Ibel's nice Shane Milton's nice. You're basically on the verge of a rebuild with a with a piece that is 29 and isn't gonna have much value in the market because he's injury prone and people are scared of paying big for a guy that is seven foot whatever and is injury prone. That's just the cold hard truth of the matter. This is not an easy trade to make this is not a this is not a blank oh done. Like, goodbye then like I'll drive you to the airport. That's not – the fans can't think that way. It's not as simple as that. You have to think a little further. And I think if I'm the one making the decision, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say, you no, know, you don't trade for James Harden. Uh, and I don't think it's an easy decision to come to. And I think I could be swayed in, in a bunch of different directions on this and you know, maybe my answer is different tomorrow. But I just feel like right now – Two years of control. He's obviously reckless. He's out partying in Vegas up until this week in the middle of of, of a pandemic, um, putting his teammates at risk and and whatnot. Um, I don't know what the chemistry looks like with Embiid. I I don't know how he fits into a Doc Rivers system. And I'll tell you this, whoever he goes to, Sixers or not, it's not going to be the heart the hardened show there it's going to be like you're going to buy into what we want to do that was a that that that, that was houston's that was houston's game it clearly didn't work um we're going to do it our way um and you can be a part of it and, and we can win a title or you can hold us back um, well,
1: Kobe Bryant said, until James Harden alters his game style, he's never going to win a championship. So to your final point, I agree. If he wants to win a championship, especially in the Western Conference, he's going to have to alter his game style. Uh, Now, in part, it was due to Mike D'Antoni, and that's something that Mike the NBA guy commented. Uh, He completely enabled James Harden in this system. But at the same time, if you've got a guy that isolates more often than 29 other teams in the NBA, you need to alter your game style if you haven't won doing that already. The second point I'd like to make, Austin, is that I'd be hypocritical if I got on a podcast last week and talked about the the hypocrisy in sports media and the the treatment of athletes and inaccurate portrayals and false narratives. I would be such a hypocrite to say that I believe wholeheartedly all of these James Harden rumors. Now, some of them I think are true, but at the same time, it's really difficult for me to come to a decision here on what James Harden truly wants to do because I'm not speaking to James Harden and I'm not speaking to anybody in his camp. Because of that, I don't know what's getting leaked to who, I don't know who's making what up for views, and I really don't know where his head is at. If I'm James Harden, and he really wants out of Houston, he doesn't think he could win in the West, he wants to go East, sure, but I don't know that. So right now, I think it's a lot of smoke screening. I think there's a lot of reports coming out from Houston's behalf. I think there's a lot of reports coming from third parties that, that may not actually have an understanding of the situation. So because I don't know what James Harden is thinking, I really can't tell you what's going on with leverage or, or any of these reports based on what Houston wants. Uh, but what I will say, I don't need any source to confirm this, is that Philadelphia is not trading ben, ben Simmons this season. He is not going anywhere this season, and I don't need any third-party source to confirm that. Okay? I, I mean, I don't know how many times I have to say this, but Doc Rivers passed up the opportunity to coach in Houston and coach James Harden under Daryl Morey as the president of basketball operations to coach Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in Philadelphia. He comes here. Darryl Morey comes here. Now Darryl Morey comes here, and he's already made all of these bold predictions. He thinks Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid could potentially be MVP candidates. He said that on his Instagram. He goes on Reddit, doesn't ask me anything, says he can't wait to play or at least watch Ben and Joel play, and he thinks they're going to have fantastic seasons. So he's already given extremely high praise to Ben and Joel. And if that's not enough, he goes out and gives them the best offense they've had since their inception. This is the best offense they've had since both of them have been in the NBA since 2016 when Joel and Bead started playing. This is the best offense they've had. They've got Seth Curry, who, who's one of the best players that does what he does in the NBA, uh, and rightfully so, one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA, Danny Green, too one of the best at what he does. You've got Dwight, uh, the first proper center to back up Joel Embiid in recent history. So every move the Sixers have made this offseason has completely catered to the duo of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. There would be absolutely no way that Ben Simmons gets traded this season. And more specifically, for a guy like James Harden, Austin, who you just said you could argue is reckless, partying in a pandemic not showing up to practice. The dude has to take six consecutive COVID tests before he could go out and ball, right? So, so there's that flight risk. There's just too many options right now for Philadelphia to go and trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, right? You can still build a nucleus around Ben and Joel. Yeah, yeah. If this doesn't work, you could still give them another coach. There's still time. I mean, they're both under 26 years old. They're both under contract for the next three seasons at least. So there's still time to make things work. You don't have to blow it up right now. And and Austin, I just don't need any source to confirm this. I don't think Philadelphia is trading Ben Simmons this season.
0: Okay. I agree. Um but I think we can't downplay this. The salary cap is eventually going to return to normal. Mhm. Um and when that happens, you're going to see a rising salary cap. And the way things are currently structured, a max player can get a certain percent, up to a certain percentage of that cap total. And I, I, I'm pretty confident that by the time Harden's 33 and he's up for a contract, if you trade for him, you're you're going to probably want to re-sign him, considering let's say you don't want a championship because the odds are always, I mean, there's just 30 teams in the NBA odds are not over 50% that you're winning a championship regardless of who you are. I mean, there's just so many teams around there in the NBA. It's just not how it works. The math doesn't work that way. Um, they might be a favorite to win it, but they, it's not a lock by any stretch. Um, if you trade for James Harden, you're going to give up a lot of assets. You're going to want to probably re-sign him. By the time he's ready for a new contract, that probably looks like forty-eight to fifty-five million per year over four or five years.
1: Are right you, at, it's at I think like forty-six right now. So that's that's like a two-three million dollar increase on, that, right. on a annual
0: basis. Right. So, are you prepared to give a thirty-three-year-old guy forty-eight to fifty-five million dollars per year in a salary capped world? I don't, I don't, I don't know that the answer is necessarily no because of how good he is. But I don't think it's an easy question to answer at all, especially in this market, in Minnesota or in Portland or in Orlando or wherever. When you're when you're all under the same scale as in, in, a, in a salary cap, um, the the answer is probably yes um, because. You can live with the da- You 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 can live with the downfall of that if you accomplish that main goal in a, in those ta- in those markets. That's not how it works in Philly. That's not how it works in Philly. You, you, it's two or three years, and then the fans want more. And, and you're it. gonna
1: have to sign Joe too. Jo- Joe gonna need a second contract okay. by that time as well. And okay. if you look at anything that's been going on in in, in a year where the salary cap has taken a hit. Every player that's under 26 with potential got a max contract. Jason Tatum, Brandon Ingram, Donovan Mitchell. Every player under 26 with the potential that Joe and Ben have got a max contract. AD is on his second contract, and he basically got the max. LeBron just got a huge contract. So Joe and Ben have incentive to keep playing hard. They already got their max contract, but if they continue to dominate and continue to play good basketball – they're due for another massive contract. Can Philadelphia afford to pay here? You get one more year, forty million dollars—the most expensive year on Tobias's contract—is his final year. So you've got a final year paying Tobias forty mil. You're probably going to have to give Joe another max-level extension. Are you prepared to pay Harden if you trade Ben and your future? You mortgage your future assets, forty-eight, like you said, fifty million dollars at thirty-three years old. Absolutely not. And then at that point. You couldn't have traded Ben in three first for him. So logically, I just don't think any trade uh, with Ben Simmons for, for James Harden makes sense. And that's just my personal opinion.
0: And that isn't to say that I wouldn't trade Ben Simmons or that like like I'm a journalist fanboying for, for Ben Simmons. I'm not. Yeah. I would trade Ben Simmons for um like Zach Levine. I would trade Ben Simmons I would well no. I yeah, I, just, yeah, I, exactly. I, don't know, I
1: don't
0: know that I would definitely do it, but I think that's a, a I think that's an easier trade to make than a hardened trade is. Um, I would have a I, I would I would I would be very interested in a conversation about uh, Devin Booker. But those guys are within the same age range. They're not as high maintenance and they aren't going to be in that salary scale by that point. And I think that that's sort of what you have to consider. I, I, James Harden's a great player, and he's going he's gonna to be a walking playoff berth for, for whoever he goes to, perennial MVP candidate, all, yada, yada, yada. I don't think that the, that the probability of one championship, let alone three or four, is enough to to face the fact that hey, you're probably gonna want to resign this guy unless it all goes to hell and he's gonna want forty-eight to fifty five million dollars per year at age thirty three. I just don't see that I I don't see a world where that is ever justifiable. Well,
1: I agree, but you did say some stuff that that was a little suspect. And I know we argue about these trades all the time. But my question to you would be How many other Zach Levines can you name in the league right now?
0: One. His name is Zach Levine. He plays for the Bulls. Come on.
1: You can name plenty of Zach Levines in the league. I don't know what you
0: mean by that comment. I don't know what that means.
1: How many guys can do what Zach Levine does on a nightly basis? Plays between two and three positions, give you 20 to 28 points a game, a couple of assists, a couple of rebounds, and plays hard defense. How many guys around the league do that? A lot of them. Maybe not to his level, but – On his level, there's at least 10 other guys. There's at least 10 other guys in the NBA that do what Zach Levine does on a consistent basis, right? Okay. Devin Booker, I'd also, I mean, as as pure of a scorer as he is, I'd argue he's a top three offensive player in the NBA potentially. I think there's at least more guys you can name that can do what Devin Booker does than you can name that do what Ben Simmons does. Would, Would you agree? Yes. Yes. So there's the end of discussion for me. I'm not trading Ben Simmons for Zach Levine. I'm not trading Ben Simmons for Devin Booker. I mean, the kid is 24 years old. He already plays some of the best defense in the entire NBA. He'll go against any number one, and and he really did it more than almost every player in the league last year. And offensively, we haven't seen him under a real head coach. I don't want to disrespect Brett Brown because I know they offended some people on the last podcast – But we haven't seen Ben Simmons utilized by a head coach that actually has an offense, an offense with pick and rolls, an offense where dribble handoffs occur pretty often, where there's there's double screens at the top of the perimeter, there's creative, there's, there's movement. We haven't seen Ben unlocked under a head coach yet, other than Brett Brown. So I'm willing to bank on his potential more than I am on the potential of Devin Booker, and I most definitely wouldn't trade Ben Simmons for Zach Levine. Because you could find 10, 12, 15 other Zach Levines in the NBA. And I'm a Zach Levine fan. Offensively, he's a beast. He's got a whole dribble arsenal. He can hit three balls better than probably 75% in the NBA. Uh, but at the same time, Zach Levine has never won anything in his career. I mean, Zach Levine. James Harden. Huh?
0: That is James Harden.
1: And we just said we wouldn't trade Ben for Harden. Okay. So, I mean, Ben, in in his first three years, has gotten in the playoffs twice, uh, 50 win seasons in the regular seasons with Brett Brown as the head coach. And, yeah, of course, there's offensive flaws, and, and, and coaches like Brad Stevens and Eric Spolster have exploited the flaws, and he needs to shoot because teams will run zone and teams will sag off on him. But when Ben Simmons has his first real breakout year, and that's crazy to say because he's averaged near a triple-double in, in almost every one of the seasons – when he has his real breakout year where he gets to the line, he's shooting 70% plus from three, maybe he implements a jump shot. When he has that year, we're going to be talking about Ben Simmons completely differently than we are right now. And in my opinion, that year is coming soon. You give him a head coach, you unlock him with some, some, some weapons around him that, that kind of optimizes talent. Uh, ben Simmons is one of the rarest talents in the NBA. And I damn sure wouldn't trade him for Zach Levine.
0: I'm up, let and keep in mind, I didn't say I would either, but I said it's an easier, it's 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 it's. I think it's a more um, interesting conversation than that than than the James Harden idea because I just don't think it's so cut and dry with James Harden the way that it the way that You're it
1: is not cut and dry with Harden because, like you said, there's the leverage thing, there's the contract thing, there's the flight risk thing. There, there there's too much going on for a Ben Simmons James Harden trade to be clean. Um, but w- when I look around the league, there's maybe five other players that I can name that do what Ben Simmons does. And this is all without the uh, jump shot that everybody's asking for. So over time, he slowly starts to incorporate an offensive game that maybe people start to notice other than me and you, because me and you, uh, we see the talent in Ben. We see what he does. We, we know what Ben's capable of. Uh, when people start to see Ben incorporate more of an offensive game and, and wake up the national audience than I think people are going to be talking about Ben in a completely different way. They are right now. Right. I mean, seriously, like sure. Giannis, right. Let's take Giannis. For example, it took him five years to really develop into, into the freak that he is now put on all this muscle. I'd argue the modern day Shaq in the way that he can get a bucket, any possession he wants. And if he doesn't drive to the basket, then the, the defense is, is, Having a sigh of relief, thank God this guy didn't just take the easiest shot on the floor. Um, but how many guys can you name in the NBA that are as dominant offensively, the open floor, in transition, spreading the basketball court vision as a passer, uh, exploiting mismatches in the post, as Ben Simmons at 6'10", he can play the point. So there's that. And then on the other side of the ball, defense, which is equally as important as important. They're going to strap up every single night, look at the opponent, and say, whoever your number one option is, I'm, I'm checking him. There's, there's less than six, five six guys in the league that possess those traits. Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron. And when you look at all of these guys, they're incredible ball players. but even some of them don't guard opponents number ones. Like Milwaukee, they scheme defensively so Giannis doesn't have to defend number ones. It happened plenty last year he might be an anchor defensively and he's a he's a he i giannis is a freak i love giannis but the thing with giannis is he's not guarding opponent's number 1 all the time Kawhi Leonard isn't guarding opponent's number 1 all the time lebron james isn't guarding opponent's number 1 all the time but ben simmons consistently is guarding the 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 number 1 option every single game defensively and for that i think his potential is is one of the highest in the
0: nba yeah no, nope, for sure. Okay, so I want to discuss one thing involving quotes from press conferences. Um so Doc has said multiple times that he like doesn't care if Ben shoots the ball. And mm-hmm. and and he's you know not he doesn't think he thinks it's overblown yada yada yada. Do you believe that that he that he that he means that that he cares that Ben doesn't shoot the ball?
1: Honestly, that's one of the only things I believe that Doc Rivers has said this offseason. Doc is a PR genius. Daryl's a PR genius. Do you believe it's true? I believe it's true. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I know. The thing I, I don't. don't believe is every single day after a practice, Mike Scott's the MVP, man. He had the best practice I've seen in his career. Tyrese Maxey, Benson. I think, yeah, they're gassing guys up and, and, and they're getting people excited but this is the one statement that, that Doc said where I actually believe it. I don't believe it you know, at all. why you wouldn't? What makes you think that Doc Rivers isn't telling the truth of that?
0: Because he's come from an organization where they turned Blake Griffin into a, a respectable shooter.
1: Uh, Blake Griffin turned himself into a respectable shooter in Detroit. He didn't even not, have a team. He didn't even have a three ball. He didn't even have a three ball with the Clippers. Come on,
0: Rock. Come on. Maybe maybe it wasn't as maybe it wasn't as prolific as it as it had become in Detroit. But he definitely became a better jump shooter under Doc. That's not even a question. He did. He did. Rock. He did
1: continue are you gonna give me more
0: okay okay sorry (laughs) i didn't realize um so then you have Kawhi and you have paul george two more um you know wings and and ball handlers that can create and can shoot the ball i just think that he, he knows you have to have wings that can create shots or that he and maybe he doesn't Maybe it's not a fact to him, but he believes it. Um, and I, I think that right now it's about endearing himself to Ben Simmons because I think Ben was favoring the idea of Ty Lu, whereas MVP wanted doc, and he's trying to get, get both of his stars to back him. Um, but I, I just think that Doc must believe it. I mean, he has to Patel working on jump shooting with Ben right now.
1: Austin. I'm not saying you don't know who, bruh. But I've been watching Blake Griffin for a minute. Blake Griffin is one of my favorite players in the league, right?
0: I love Blake. Everybody is your favorite player in the league. Boogie is your favorite player. John- Boogie my
1: favorite player. Boogie is hands down my favorite player, and Ben is a close two. Kobe's my, my goat, my favorite of all time. I love the sport. I watch all NBA, so I've got a ton of favorites. But Austin, I'm telling you, bro, Blake Griffin incorporated the three ball after his injury when he went to Detroit. And to further reinforce my point, I just ran the numbers and it's not good for you. I don't know if you want me to read them on air, but here, in his first, what's this? One, two, three, four, five. In his first six seasons with the Clippers, okay, he never made more than 12 threes in a season. His highest total was 12 threes made in his first six years. Then he hit 38 and 64. So he never made more than 64 threes as a as a Los Angeles Clipper, okay? He, made he goes to Detroit. Goes to Detroit and he made 189 and 111. The closest he ever got in in almost 10 years as a Clipper was 64 made threes. That's how many threes a center shoots and makes. So he didn't alter his jump shot under Doc Rivers. He didn't even shoot the three ball under Doc Rivers. He did that in Detroit. And and Paul George and Kawhi were already notorious for shooting the three ball. Kawhi's a guy that averages 29 points a game. Of course he has a three ball PG two, but Doc Rivers isn't going to force Ben Simmons to shoot the jump shot because he knows what Ben has. He knows what we've talked about. If you look at Miami, if you look at Milwaukee, even LeBron out in Los Angeles, these guys have the three ball and they can shoot it. They're world-class hoopers, but why shoot it? if you can take the defense as deep into the paint as possible and kick it to a guy that can actually shoot it, that gets paid to shoot it. So that's what Philadelphia is doing. That's what they're doing with Seth Curry. That's what they're doing with Danny Green. It's a copycat league, and the Sixers are copying. Okay? So what they're going to do is enable Ben Simmons as a ball handler and and off-live rebounds to do what he does. Get the ball, put it on the floor, go full court, coast to coast, and either take a layup, get to the free throw line, or find an open look for a guy on the perimeter. But to think that Doc Rivers is going to come in, lie about it, and then Ben Simmons is automatically going to add this jump shot, it's ridiculous. It's not going to happen.
0: I'm saying that I do believe that he values it more than what he's led on to the media. I think that's 100% the case. I, I, I just don't believe that he believes that. I don't. I, 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 believe there are a very select few who believe that, that, that Ben truly does have to add a jump shot. I I, I I just I believe that he that, that he that he thinks it, um, and I, I listen. Maybe Blake, I'll admit that I, m- yeah. Maybe I was wrong. I ran my years together with with Blake, but there's no way you can read those numbers and tell me that he wasn't an improved jump shooter Austin, over his time with the Clippers. He climbers.
1: made less than 60 th- four threes in almost ten years. What trajectory at, went up? He actually went from twelve. To 38 to 64, that's improvement. What is that? 40 more threes a season? He made 111 a season and almost 200 in Detroit.
0: But it's still tangible improvement. He attempted them.
1: 30 more threes a season, yeah. Of course it's tangible improvement, but it's not enough to say, yeah, this guy improved drastically as a shooter in Los Angeles. He, He went from 12 to 38, which is, what, 14, 20 more threes a season than from 38 to 60? Like if he went from thirty-four to one hundred eleven, sure, absolutely. But he never made more than sixty-five threes a season. He was never a shooter in Los Angeles. It that, was in Detroit where he altered his game.
0: Talking about a guy who we can't, who who who, who the Sixers cannot get. What? What? Get, they, they can't get. They can't get Ben to shoot what more than six in a season. And what? Six threes in a season. So anything, any they step might be able to get him to any, shoot six
1: threes a any, season. That's not any, any different than what's happened for the past three years.
0: Listen, anything that they can get will be a step up from from for Ben Simmons. Again, do I think he has to become a shooter? No, I've advocated that for for that for years. I don't think he has to become a shooter. But I, I as I don't I don't know if I'm using this right. As the kids say, I call cap on Doc Rivers for that.
1: Of, I can't believe that of everything Doc Rivers has said this offseason, that Furkan Korkmaz blew him away and Furkan's got a big role. And Doc, that's, of that's, everything that's, Doc has said, you chose that not to believe it. That he said, listen, Ben's our guy. I'm committing to Ben. I know what Ben has. If he doesn't shoot him, I'm not too worried about it.
0: I'm not saying that he doesn't believe in Ben Simmons.
1: I know, but I'm saying of everything he said, that's what you chose not to believe.
0: Yeah, I just don't believe that's the case.
1: See, that's where I'm losing you. Like Doc Doc coached Rajon Rondo, and Doc didn't have a problem with what
0: Rondo did. Well, that's a good point. But it's also a different era of basketball.
1: I guess, but he also coached DeAndre and Blake Griffin, and, and, and he utilized them. But the, the difference between Ben Simmons and the people I just named is that Ben Simmons is a hybrid of Rajon Rondo and Blake Griffin in one. If you take what Rajon Rondo does as a playmaker, a ball handler, and a passer, and combine it with Blake Griffin's height and his athleticism, you've got a 6'10 Ben Simmons right there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Why don't you show the comments in support of me? Uh,
0: were, there, were there any? Oh, there were. Okay, yes. Oh, wait. Um, let's see. Facts. He did turn himself into a shooter with Detroit.
1: Yeah, we we got a real, we got somebody that watches
0: the whole NBA. What it's Tim that. guys did this too. Paul George is overrated with the Thunder, and he's not on Ben Simmons level. That's where you're going with it.
1: I don't know. You right. said that though. You were the one that. what. You
0: I can bring him up. You're you captain. You, up Paul you, know, are, you are capping my friend. You up Paul George, this is. No, okay. This is no, 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 no. no. The rookie, the Brock is Brock is smart, he is smart. He's wrong here. I think you're very
1: watches the entire NBA, Austin Krell doesn't. That's the difference here.
0: (laughs) I'm sitting here all my weekends watching preseason Uh, games.
1: The thing, Austin, the thing that the, the thing that I mean, sure, yeah, you watch basketball, obviously, I'm exaggerating. But the thing that, that you're losing here on is that you're, you're, you're using terms too technically. So, yeah, you can look at, well, Blake Griffin went from 12 threes to 64. Of course, that's a shooting improvement. Doc Rivers was his coach for the first six seasons where Blake didn't make more than 12 threes in a season. Okay? Blake slowly incorporates the J. He makes 34. He made 68. Doc is still the coach. That's fine, right? but that's nothing compared to making 111 and almost 200 in the next two seasons on a different team. That indicates to me, he didn't shoot the three ball in Los Angeles. He didn't have to shoot the three ball in Los Angeles. It wasn't priority in Los Angeles and he didn't do it. If he only made 64 in a season, he didn't do it. That's how many a center makes a backup center makes in the NBA now. But the fact that he made 100 plus in his first season after the Clippers, and then he made almost 200 in the season after that. The jump from 111 and 200 compared to 12 to 34 is a way completely different jump than from 34 to 68. It's monumentally different. So, I mean, Blake Griffin is a three-ball shooter. He's a world-class hooper. But that didn't happen in Los Angeles under Doc. I'm just telling you. You you can watch. It happened in Detroit.
0: Justin says – you got to be more technical, crowd. Come on, man. Listen, our our rookie is getting on my last nerve. We, we we get we got a we got to have a an initiation, Rock. What do you think of Jalen Hurts?
1: What do I think of Jalen Hurts? It depends who's watching. I don't want to get I don't want to get, uh, get now, Ken. I like Jalen Hurts, man. This is coming from a guy that's never really liked Carson Wentz. Uh, my dad and I both have never really liked Carson Wentz. I don't have an, an agenda against him. I just don't think he, he's he's a coachable player. I don't know if he's a likable player. Uh, there's always been these reports uh, coming from Eagles players in the locker room, and although they're conflicting sometimes, uh, there, there's just plenty of stuff that I that I I, I thought were red flags throughout his career. Uh, coach is complaining that that he's not receptive in practice. Coach is complaining and wants to implement his own style. Players complaining. I just never thought he was a coachable player. Uh, the, the the Eagles are so far in a hole right now with his money, it's not even funny. Um, but I like Jalen Hurts. I think he's he's a dual-threat quarterback, and from what I saw, he's an accurate passer. Uh, he could use his legs to wheel out a first down better than I think Wentz could right now. Uh, so I'm all for it. Uh, I mean, if they're going to commit to him for the rest of the season, sure, but just commit to it, right? You're not making the playoffs. I mean, I guess they're in the NFC East, so you never know. But I think a draft pick would be more valuable than, than the team morale right now. Um, so if you're if you're not going to make the playoffs, just commit.
0: He's Brock Landis. I am Austin Krell. You can find him on Twitter at Landis Brock. Can find me on Twitter at NBA Krell. Brock, any parting shots? No parting
1: shots for me. None tonight, man. None tonight. I think um, my good people on Twitter have noticed what I've been what I've been kind of saying with my children out there. <laughs> um, so people are taking notice of that. I, I don't have any children. I'm only 20 years old, um, but Austin, you know what I'm talking about.
0: I do. There's been some. There's been some. Co- there's been some content thievery th- 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 out there from from Brock Fields. This is what mm-hmm. um, for sure. He is Brock Landis. I am Austin Krell. We might be back in the next couple of days to talk about Sixers preseason game. There is a chance that we'll. I do think we're gonna we're gonna be. Um, um I think there's a chance that we're gonna be doing this more often than once a week now that we're in season and there's a lot more to discuss. Um, but be sure again to subscribe to us on YouTube at the painted Lines. Subscribe, subscribe to Brock, Brock stay solid,
1: baby. Stay, stay solid. solid,
0: yeah. I, exactly. I'll
1: see you stay solid.
0: Yeah, <laughs> stay solid. Um, you can find you can find us on Twitter at Clannis Brock at MBA Krell. Be sure, to subscribe on SoundCloud. Uh, Brock, I applied to get us SoundCloud verified. So maybe we'll be getting our ah, badge next week. I'll know. have to
1: get the, the rainbow colored dreads. I'll have to grow okay. some face tats. We're gonna be SoundCloud Verify.
0: Um and you can find us on, on Apple Pods as well. As always, everybody we appreciate you tuning in. Sixers play tomorrow night at 7 30 on uh NBC Sports Philly and TNT. I will be either covering the game. Um, and not in person, but either via Zoom. I'll sure I'll certainly have my um, my instant reactions to the game available online. It is the work of a beat writer. I might add. As always, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Have a good night. Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole. Under a second, there's also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out at the King CobraCo. That's the King Cobra Co on Instagram, and Cobra is spelled with a K. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the code TrustTheCobra10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today.